Welcome back to another episode of Season 5 of the RAG Podcast. As you guys know by now, this is the number one podcast across the recruitment sector globally. And we've always been on a mission to help recruitment agencies grow by interviewing founders and telling their stories of success from startup all the way to scale up and exit. Well, this season we're a little bit different. We're not only going to do that, but we're going to focus on a little bit more. Since the pandemic began, we know so many people have struggled with maintaining their habits of, of success in work, but also everything else outside of work with it. You know, how do you as a recruitment leader and founder maintain your family and friendships whilst being the best person at work? How do you stay physically fit mentally and emotionally? And how? Do you find time for yourself in the madness? How do you find time for self-interest, for hobbies and self-improvement? Well, to help you with this, I'm going to be interviewing someone every single week that can demonstrate experience in one or more of these areas. So I'm going to talk to recruitment founders and also some experts from outside the industry who can deep dive into things like relationships and health and well-being. That's every single week. You have an opportunity to learn from an expert or one of the most decorated successful recruitment founders on the planet. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello, welcome back. We are live on LinkedIn Live today, and I am buzzing to be back for, I think it's the third episode of, of season five. I don't know where the time's going. I do not. I just listened back to the video there, and I've noticed that I recorded it when I was really ill, and I sounded horrendous. So that that needs to be recorded. Anyway, um, look, I'm back today. I'm joined, uh, delighted to be joined by Gail Blake, who I will get into in a moment. Um, I'll give you an overview of who she is and we'll get cracking. Before I do, I must mention our, uh, our sponsors for today's episode, who I'm extremely grateful to partner with. Um, I want to mention Odro, who's actually the reason I met Gail, who Ryan McCabe, the CEO, introduced me to Gail recently. And uh, I know they do a lot of work with, with the guys at Hayes. Um, I think everyone knows. I'm, I, Odro is literally the number one interview and engagement video recruitment software on the planet. They are working with recruitment agencies exclusively all over the world. And there's two things I want to mention. The first is they they announced this week that they are growing their offices. So they've moved they moved into an office in uh, Glasgow with four people, and they're now been moving and moving and moving. They've now moved to a space with room for 50 people. They started just before Hock, so I've watched their journey, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in awe of them. To be honest, I, I, I love to watch what they're doing. Um, but the main thing they've asked me to tell you guys is they are hiring. They're looking for salespeople and customer success people who come from the recruitment sector. So if you're a recruiter listening to this and you'd like to work with the sector as opposed to in the sector, I don't think there's many brands that you could want to join that would be Odro. So get in touch with Dougie Loan, the Chief Revenue Officer on LinkedIn, or email recruitment at odro.co.uk. Our second sponsor is Vincere, the all-in-one recruitment software for, I would say, progressive recruitment businesses. Everyone I talk to who got Vincere as, as their CRM, they, they're always the, the kind of the new kid on the block, the brand that are growing faster and, and with more ambition than anybody else. What I love about Vincere is they're building tools to support front, middle, and back office. They, they want to be the tool that effectively gives you a bit of everything from a recruitment perspective end-to-end. -end. Um, now, they've... They love the rag, they listen to the rag, and they've decided to give people who are rag listeners some amazing discounts. So if you're thinking about moving CRM or starting a business with it with your first CRM, then please visit www.vincere.io forward slash rag. 
not the rag, rag, and you will get a discount um, by listening to the show. Right, let's get into today's episode. As I said before, I'm joined by Gail Blake. Gail is the UK and Ireland Director for Permanent Recruitment across Hayes. Um, that's every permanent division within Hayes in the UK and Ireland, as well as she manages the UK and Ireland's Construction and Property Division, which is one of the biggest divisions in the business. I mean, I can't even imagine. I'm already, I've already got grey hair. I think I'd have no hair if I had that job. So, Gail, thank you for taking some time out today and joining us on the show. No worries. Thank you for having me. Really excited about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just coming off the back of that cold, as I mentioned. So yes. I do cough. I'll if I I'll mute myself if I start coughing. But I, I felt I felt really good before the session, so I should be fine. But look, as I mentioned, Ryan introduced us recently, and I absolutely loved our initial chat. I was so excited for today's episode. Can you do us a favor? Give us a little bit more meat on the bones as to the role that you do. So give a for the listeners. What does the UK director, UK and Ireland director of permanent and construction provision really do? Give us the overview. Um, well, ultimately, I look after, I guess I've got two roles. Um, but as we talked about a little bit earlier, I, I always try and rather than compartmentalize them into two roles, I always try and see how they can feed off each other and try and look at things holistically. Um, so I look after all permanent appointments, but it's obviously not me on my own. It's me and I work with an, an amazing team. Um, where we look after all strategy around permanent recruitment um, for all of our specialisms. So we have uh, we operate in 23 different sectors. We call them specialisms. Yeah. And, and ultimately, it's how do we bring that all together and how do we have an overall strategy to make the best uh, choices, um, you know, in terms of recruitment for our clients and our candidates and how to work best with them. So I do that role. And then I also do a role where I look at just one of those specialisms I just mentioned, one of those market sectors we look after, which is construction and property. It's one of our biggest ones. I look after that as well. So that's everything in the built environment from an architect who first designs, for example, someone's house, all the way to the bricky on site who actually builds it, to the, to the person that comes in and helps to maintain it. So and all the way through that process, I look after all of that, again, with a phenomenal team, uh, that I work with amazing consultants. So um, yeah, I, I I kind of have both of those uh, wow. roles in my and, life. So. And, and the construction side has ten yes. per within that. So you does, actually, it does yes. And that was that was my background. That's wow. my actual. So when I first joined Hayes, I came into that. It was called Montrose at the time. I don't know if you remember yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I first joined Hayes Montrose. Um, dare I say this? 1999. Obviously, is you know, young person. <laughs> um, so I joined in 1999. And so I guess, you know, when you sort of join something and it kind of gets you right there. And so I worked with engineers, uh, civil and structural engineers, and that's who I first started uh, working with. And I stayed in construction property for quite a while until my first son was born. Um, and then and then I actually went and set up a, a different business within Hayes, so completely different, completely from construction and property. Um, actually ended up working with professional services and all sorts of different things. Um, and then in and, and I had another son. And then in, uh, in in 2014, came back to construction property to look after the whole London market. Started also doing some work in perms. And then in 20, I'm trying to think, I had another son. <laughs> so wow. three boys at this point. Um, then I uh, then I started looking after permanent points for the whole of UK and Ireland. And then about a year ago, also started looking after construction of property wow. in the UK and Ireland. Is, so three boys. Three kind of big chunks of my journey, I guess. There and that is a job in itself. I mean, I'm I'm the middle of three boys growing up, so I know what that can. Ooh, you just be. froze on me then. Can you hear me now? Are, are you with me? 
Can you hear me, Gail? Sorry, you just froze on me, but you're back now. Sorry. I'm back. Yeah, I don't know if I, my internet should be good. Um, I'm the middle of three boys, I said. So my in in my life growing up, that's that's my experience, right? So I know I know what it would have been like. Well, I can imagine what my mum went through having three boys, but she didn't have a job like you. So God knows how you've managed it. Take us, take us back, Gail. I mean, yeah. the, thing, the thing about Hayes is interesting, right? The, the, I, I believe I'm not the first to say there's a, there's a bit of a negative. You get some negative press out there. I know a lot of rectorex like to slag Hayes off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I worked for Randstad. I started my career in Randstad. And you guys were like our, you know, our rival. It was this, it felt like a you know, the enemy, but you were, you were like the same business, really. When I met, we used to play football with the Hayes lads and it was like, it felt like they worked for the same firm. Um, but I don't think I've met anyone who's worked in that, in a firm like that for 22 years and, and asked and asked those questions. So take us back. Firstly, why did you get into recruitment and join that business at, straight out of university or whatever it was for you? Yeah. Um, my, so my very, very close friend from university. So I, I went to Warwick to do my first degree and then I knew I didn't want to go straight into work. I'm quite a youngie. I graduated when I was 20 because I'm a July baby. Nice. So I knew I wanted to go off and do a master's. And so I did a master's degree in management. And I was at the University of Bath at the time. And all, a lot of my years sort of went on to work. So they were kind of a year ahead of me. And one of my closest friends, uh, Jenny Mole, she might be listening to this, uh, was actually in recruitment. And she actually said to me, oh, I'm doing this. I think it would really suit you. And I was like, okay. And I really trust her. And I thought, actually, okay, if she thinks this is something I'd be good at, I need to really listen to her. So I I was coming to the end of my master's. And I thought, right, well, you know, she talked me through it. And so I started to apply for some recruitment jobs. And at the time, I think as you, well, I feel like I'm probably quite a lot older than you. But at the time, this is 1999. I was in year nine. I was in year nine then. I should should have been in recruitment in year nine. Yeah. I mean, so so in, in, uh, yeah, in in, in 99. So it wasn't something that a lot of people did, if that makes sense. So um, so I, th- I remember trying to explain to my mum and dad for quite a long time yeah. what it was, and I just don't think they ever really understood it. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I applied for various jobs. And I remember um, being on interview with Hayes, and Darren Buchanan, who still works for the company now, was one of, one of my interviews. And I remember we were doing the interview, and then a certain way through, he said, he stopped and went, who's your favourite comedian? And I just thought, Oh, this is a bit interesting. This is a bit different. <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't the usual. Yeah. Let's just. And he just started talking to me about my favorite comedian, and I thought, actually, I, I get this. Like, this is this is something a bit different to all the other interviews I've been on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so you know, you just get that click. You just mm. feel like, oh, actually, there's something more to this. And um, and so, and we obviously see we obviously got had the same sort of sense of humor. Clearly, who so was your favorite comedian? Yeah, I think. The, my favourite comedian at the time was Eddie Izzard. I was wow. really into Eddie Izzard. I was coming straight up uni. I loved Eddie Izzard. I still Love do, Eddie actually. Izzard. I think he's so I funny. Um, so, I, of course, I'd probably say a little bit more Peter Kay now, but but really, really <laughs> like Eddie Izzard. So I, I, and, and we just went off on one about Eddie Izzard for half an hour. So I think that... Um, and then one of the other interviewers went to the same school as me in Nantwich. You know, it was kind of like this random... Yeah. So I guess I just felt that click don't you I think you feel that and I think that's when I in my job go back to my job now permanent appointments that's always what we're trying to achieve is what is important to that candidate and how can we help them to feel that click that energy that this feels right this feels comfortable and I think 
I'm a very intuitive person. So, so to me, it was a, it was on that. Yeah, this feels right. I need to to like where I am. I can see myself fitting with these people every day. And you, and and I think that. For, did you ever feel you know a master's educated? You're clearly an articulate person. You're well educated. You got a master's. Did you? Did anyone ever look down on the fact you took a job in recruitment and didn't go into like consulting or any other more what some people feel as a more professional service? No, um, no. Or if they did, they didn't tell me. Right. Um, I think I'm very, very fortunate in that I have very supportive. I, I was um, so I've been with my husband before I joined Hayes. If that makes sense, right. we met. We met at um, university, and I think. I think when you start kind of a relationship, when you have basically nothing, you know, you're both yeah. students yeah. and pretty poor, <laughs> you know, I think, I think that that sort of grounds you and you both, we were both starting jobs um, completely different. He works in, in our really techie IT kind of geek. So he yeah. was kind of going one way and I was going the other. And I know all my friends, I guess, um, I probably don't seek too much approval, maybe. Maybe I didn't ask the question. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I, I don't, I'm not, you probably could tell I'm not that sort of person. So I never, I, but no, my parents are very supportive and always are just like, if you love something, if it's your passion, you'll be really good at it. And it doesn't matter if that, whatever that is. You know, they've always encouraged me and my brother to be that way. So um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a particularly sort of status person, which probably sounds a bit strange in the sense of, uh, recruitment, but I'm not somebody that's particularly hung up on how people kind of, you know, do I have? I get it. I get it. I get, it. I get that vibe. Yeah. Of people. I get it. Yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. How would you say? Um, how would you say you? How would you describe those? You know, the first five, six, seven years or whatever of your career and the trajectory that you went through. Was it? Was it an easy? You know, you you build well. You became a manager. Was it the classic fillings yes. to manager route yes. that you went through? Totally. I think. I've always worked hard. I would say that my parents always were very much with my brother and I. It doesn't matter if you succeed or not, but you have to try. Like that is a non-negotiable. You absolutely have to try your best. If your best means that in any whatever way, you know, you're not massively successful, that doesn't matter. It matters that you try. So I think also the other thing I would say is my mum and dad made both me and my brother work from quite an early age. Um, so so basically, I was my brother was a paper boy from pretty early on. I worked in Boots and then I worked at a local bakery in Cheshire. Like we were taught to work. Does that make sense? So I was, I had pretty strong work ethic and it wasn't about the money. My parents were like, we'll pay for, you know, university or whatever, but you, you want to go out, you work. So, so it was kind of, I worked pretty hard all the time. So I I would say I took that to my career haze and I just worked very hard. Um, and I, I, I really got to know my sector. I worked in civil and structural engineering, which is quite a technical sector. Um, you know, these people are very highly educated. And I just really got into it and really loved it, built good relationships, build very, very well, then started to build a team around me, um, kept going, kept going, kept growing, kept growing, kept growing, kept giving more stuff, getting given more stuff. And then there's a point, of course, where actually the management, the leadership becomes all consuming to the point where then you go, okay, I'm going to step away from billing and I'm going to to go into leadership. So it was, I think I didn't, I just kept, you know what they say, think about the process rather than the outcome. So that's what I just kept doing. I kept focusing on the process, kept focusing on being the best leader I could be, the best, you know, consultant I could be to my clients and my candidates and just kept going. And I'm still in contact with candidates I placed 20 years ago now, like still in contact with them. Because I care, you know, I do care about yeah. them. And, and, and I think they, they care about me. I had a 
client that did a survey, you know, one of my houses for me. You know, it just, it's kind of like you, you I do, I, I never thought thought of it as a short-term career. And I think no. if you take the, play the long game and you're just kind and authentic and nice, um, people, I know there's all those things you probably don't think of as recruitment, but I think if you are, then you have a longevity because people can see I totally, that. I totally see. I mean, I, I, I personally believe the best people I've met in the sector yeah. Are the most they're really open and they're the people that build what yeah. you, you build a relationship that goes way beyond the job like i remember when i got back from australia i moved to london and i got started working at this a small firm and i'd gone from randstad with like 150 people on the floor to seven in an office and i remember yeah. the fear of what everyone could hear me saying well actually no i didn't have any fear at the beginning but then when everyone started taking the piss out of the things i was saying because they could all hear it in in no one really listened to me in randstad because it was so big um, and I used to tell a lot of stories, right? I used to share, like, I'm from Manchester, I'm living in London, I've got this girlfriend, I'm a Man City fan, I'm planning on moving. I don't know, it just, when I didn't know what to say, I just spoke about my life and people share. And I used to get the absolute, like, everything ripped out of me for it. Like, they, people thought I was this, like, big-headed character. What happened six months later, though, when I started billing way beyond everyone else, everyone, the same people who laughed at me, come back and said, what what are you doing? Like, well, why is it working so well for yeah. you? And I didn't know. I was like, I don't know. And then when I analyzed it and I took a bit of time on this, I realized I listened to everyone else on the phone and everyone else, all they did was talk work. That's all they did. And I was like, I don't think you guys are building relationships beyond the job. Yes. So, so people actually want to work with me. They don't just have to work with me. They're not just yes. on a mandate. Do you know what I mean? And it, I totally it, believe that. Yeah. And, and, then, and then that played into content. And the whole journey I've been on with, with personal branding is like, the more I've shared, the more I think people connect. And, and totally. it doesn't take away from the job. You still do what you do for a living. Yeah. Why not have some personal fun with it, for God's sake? I, I, I tell God, I totally agree with you. I mean, I um, I really like rugby. I just really, really like rugby. And I was lucky, I guess, in a way that a lot of the engineers, the structural engineers I was working with, they love, they love rugby as well. So, so often if the Six Nations have been on or the autumn tests have been on, honestly, that could be my Monday morning, speaking to people and just go, oh, did you go? Know? And, and I happen to really love it. So I could really connect with them on that. But yeah. I think it's about, like you said, it's about, isn't it about the power of connection? Yeah. And and about, as you said, I think people can see if you want a short term career in recruitment, yes, you can you know give it all the lines and all those different things. But I think when you are authentic and when you do what you say you're going to do and you consistently do that and you're consistently, I think with authenticity, it's seeing the same thing over and over again to the point where you believe that's someone's real character. That's what I yeah. think trust yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah, and I think if you are yourself, you don't have to check yourself. You don't have to think, well, what am I supposed You just are yourself. And then through consistently being the same, and we've met each other a few times now, so you're probably like, yeah, I believe that's really her because she was yeah. like that the last few times we met. And, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. and that's when people really open up to you and trust you. And I think that's true in leadership too. I think actually, you know, you spend so much time at work. You do, don't you? You know, you, you, you've, we've all got families, but you spend yeah. so much time. You have to feel like the people around you above same level as you the people beneath you, you have to believe that, that that they're being authentic you know you have otherwise the trust goes doesn't it and then that's, one, one yeah. topic one thing to think about then from your perspective obviously in, in a corporate business i don't yes. how many employees how many employees have you got in the uk um i think so but i, I wouldn't know exactly um i think it's around two thousand. Right. you don't even know you don't know says it all right um yeah. big business lots of people yeah. would you say you know, is it 
actively promoted within Hayes for people to be themselves, to build Absolutely. personal. Because I've, 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 I've actually spoke about personal branding to some larger yes. organizations and yes, it's all yes, about, yeah, they say things like, yeah. you know, I'm not sure that would fit our, our, our corporate image or would it, would it fit within our guidelines? And I'm like, oh God, guidelines, that frightens the crap out of me having a guideline of telling me what I can and can't say when, you know, you, you're asking me to build a network, but you're telling me I can't say things or I can't be me. So how do you guys at Hayes encourage that, would you say? Well, all I'd say to you is, or anyone listening to this, is go and have a look at my LinkedIn feed. Go and have a look at mine, right? Yeah. So if you're, you know, you're saying about how we're encouraged to be authentic, yeah. if you don't believe me, go and have a look at my LinkedIn feed. Yeah. Because I think the last thing that I posted was about one of my, my kind of work, I call him my work twin, because he does my job for temps. And probably the person I speak to the most every day. Yeah. And I saw saw him, physically saw him for the first time in 18 months last week. Yeah. And I was joking about how, you know, you know, it's it's one thing, you know, it's been great, this whole team's this virtual thing. It means that I can see you and, and now and, and we're in different geographical places. But but ultimately it's nothing is the same as that personal connection. But the yeah. one I did before that was literally me holding, this is not a joke, me holding some um recyclable straws. So, um, so I've set we've set a, a part of a team that's setting up a new business around sustainability and recruit like sustainable right. recruitment, and um, and so I've been really part of that. I'm really passionate about sustainability, and um, so as part of that, in my because I've said to you, I don't I don't have barriers. I try and make everything holistic. So in my personal life, my little son is turning six. So I um I bought some recyclable straws, you know those you know because because you should have plastic straws. And I've given those as party bags at his birthday party rather than the sort of plastic bags yeah. you give to kids when it's their birthday party. And I took a picture of this and put it on LinkedIn and sort of said, look, this is, you know, I believe in sustainability. I absolutely really do. And I live and breathe that in my own life. And look, these are some plastic straws that I gave at my littlest son's birthday party at the weekend, which is true. So I think I I don't, you know, you can have a look at my LinkedIn feed, all sorts of stuff I talk about. I've talked about my yoga, I talk about my running and all that, because that's me. I'm not just girl at Hayes. I'm girl and Hayes is one part of my life, but I have other parts of my life. And I, don't I think that's brilliant because I'd, I'd say yeah. from, from a lot of people working in smaller recruitment firms, the first thing they would say about a Hayes or a Randstad or Robert Walters yeah. or whatever is, it's just a machine. I'm just a wheel in a cog and it's a machine and you can't be yourself and you've got to. So tell me, how how do you think you have managed to stay in that business and work your way right up to the, you know, the top in 20, 22 years or 21 years? How have you managed to keep reinventing yourself? What's been your secret to success, would you say? I, 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 well, I suppose the first one is I haven't reinvented myself. I'm still me. And I think right. that's probably it. I, I really, I haven't. I, I, I don't feel like it's been 22 years, but it has. Uh, and I think I'm just, I would hope that anyone who's listening to this that know, and there probably will be people that have known me for that entire journey, will go, she's just the same person as she always mm. was. And I think that's the point. I haven't. Um, I think the reason that I've stayed so long is as much as I, what can be perceived from the outside of these big corporates. I understand, look, I yeah. totally understand why people might think that. I actually feel that I belong to a really creative organization, actually, that's incredibly innovative. And you talked before about my education. And one of the things I crave in a job, I have to have, if I'm honest, is intellectual stimulation. If I don't, mm. if I'm bored, I just can't do it. I have yeah. to be intellectually stimulated. And I think what I've been really fortunate is I've had people around me who, you know, who leaders above me who have spotted that in me and given me opportunities, but not just opportunities. What I've always felt 
particularly at the moment, is I've just been given so much support, like real support in my own development so that, that I can become a better version of me. But the, the authenticity and the core of me has stayed exactly the same. But but honestly, in terms of, actually, we talked about Audrey, didn't we? You started off, that's how we know each other, yeah. Ryan, who's the CEO. And, you know, and, and it's that, you know, for example, here's a very creative piece of tool, toolkit that we are using in Haze because we are innovative. So, so, so I would say that I get why people might perceive that, but actually living it, I, I know I wouldn't be able to stay at an organization that didn't have that creativity, that ability to be authentic, to be, um, in, I just wouldn't, it, just because it wouldn't suit me. So I get what, why people yeah, yeah. see that on the outside, but it's not how it feels like on the inside, I would say. What? One of the things this season's all about is habits, right? It's about entrepreneurial yes. or management, da- daily habits. I think we can all yeah. look at the big macro, you know, I, I run the UK permanent division. It's brilliant. Yeah. Great. But what the, what the hell does it really look like? Like, could you could you break down, like, what an average day looks like and how you, how, what, how do you organise yourself to stay on top of such a big, the two big jobs that, you're, that you've got? Um, so I am, a, I'm, I say I'm a, I would say I'm quite a morning person. Yeah. Um, so I think that for me, I like to kind of get going first thing. What time um, did you start? What time are you up and about? Well, I, I, I normally would wake up at about size. Um, Sean and I have talked before this and we've shared a love of yoga before. Mm. And absolutely, I will probably do some form of exercise, some sort of yoga to start off my day. Because I think straight away, you feel like, yeah, I've achieved something. Sometimes if it's less so now it's dark in the mornings, but I might go for a run or whatever it might be. So I'll I'll normally start with some form of exercise and kind of that's done. My kids are normally still asleep. So we kind of get that done. And then I tend to do, um, I do tend to look at the numbers first thing in the morning. It's a bit sad, really. I think the IT lot must all sit there going, God, she's logged on and she's having a look. Because I do I do want to know where I am. You know, I think I just want to know where are we? What, what numbers are you at that level? What are you looking at? I, 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 I'm sad. I, first thing in the morning, I want to know how many permanent interviews we arranged the day before. I love it. I just... Yeah. Um, so it just gives me a vibe to, to what, sort of, what sort of numbers are good for you right now just be honest like, what number would you be like great day well I think for me it's 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 the, it's better than the day before and I think for me it's the the market as we know at the moment is fantastic I mean all your listeners yeah. know this they were, it's nothing that I'm, I'm telling that they're not aware of themselves so I think it's about harnessing that and we all know it's but I would say for, for everybody in any agency at the moment there is a tension in the sense of there is a tension between the market demands, which has come back very, very quickly. You know, you, you know, you and I talk about well-being. And I think that that not just Hayes, every person that works in recruitment at the moment is in a very challenging situation, I think, from their own well-being point of view, because you have this massive amount of demand that's come back very, very quickly. Yeah, it's totally. not like the GFC. Yeah, you know, the GFC, it was slow. It, it this time it has pivoted in the next space of six months. And yeah. really pivoted probably in the space of really about three. Yeah, yeah. So I think from a well-being point of view, it's how do you cope with where you go from really high levels of demand? So one point, you know, 1.103 million unfilled jobs in the UK says the ONS a couple of weeks ago. So that's not just Hayes' numbers, that's everyone in recruitment's numbers. Yeah. So, so you've got that with REC saying lowest candidate availability in 24 years. So, so there's this tension, this real tension at the moment with how do you make those two things work? How, how, mm. how do you cope and how do you bridge that gap as a recruiter? So I think that for me, 
I want to make the best of the market that I'm in. And that just starts with knowing where I'm at. So you do have that part of you that's that day-to-day rigor. Not that you ever lose that, is that rigor side. But then you've also got to think of the strategy and then the people. So that's how I compartmentalize it. What am I doing in terms of rigor, knowing the numbers, but also managing it in with what is my overall strategy? Stick with it. Don't change it. Stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. Because I think often if you don't see immediate results, you think, oh, the strategy is wrong. It's like, no, you've probably not given it enough time. So I think it's it's stick with your strategy, stick to that. What should I be doing to bring that alive? And then my third part, if I think about the three parts of the way my, most of my days are structured, is then people. Who are in the leadership team? How can I help people? How can I enrich what they do? How can I help them to, to grow and to develop? So I try and try to compartmentalize my days into day to say rigor because you can't get away from it. Yeah. Then the strategy, what is my strategic intent? Where am I? What actions do I need to take in the long term to make sure that I'm not reacting short term? And then last of all, people, what am I doing every day to develop the people that I work with, to help them, to, to enrich them, to make them feel like they're constantly kind of evolving and developing? So you asked about my kind of day structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changes based on, but it always, always ends up with those three key points. Do you have any kind of like... I don't know, checklist each day that you write down. Oh, God. So I'm a paper and pen girl. So (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, literally, look, I mean, we're we're talking, everything gets written down. Um, You know, I'm sure that there's lots of people who will tell me that I'm better off. Uh, Can I just say, people I work with, definitely my husband's a complete geek, would say I'd be better off typing it all, but I'm a paper and pen girl. I do like my my to-do list. I do still write it by hand. But do you have like, I don't know, like for me now, I, I have a, I use, I, I got rid of paper when I started Hoxha. Right. It was really awkward for me, but now I couldn't, it'd be a bit weird, I think, going back. And right. I, have, I use this board Trello and I have a weekly, yeah. I have a weekly class and then I have my daily and then I have uh, in progress and done, right? So, yeah. so I've literally got, start of the week, I try and I'll put as many tasks in and things I want to achieve and that keeps growing. But then I literally flick maximum five things into today and I try and yeah. keep no more than five. And then yeah. over the day, I you know I moved them to in progress and done. And since I started that, it feels so much more. I don't know. I feel rewarded that I'm seeing the done pile grow yeah. and the other piles get smaller. Um, and uh, I don't know. I think everyone has their own way of doing these things. Mm-hmm. But um, is it how is it for you in that respect? I was just smiling because uh, you know why we love doing that, don't you? Ticking things off or moving. I like to cross things out. You like to right. move them across. Yeah. It's all to do. With, it's all to do with dopamine. It's all to do with um, we get a get a, obviously chemical. We have dopamine that comes into our brains when we feel like we've completed a task, which yeah. is why it can be quite addictive. Which is why people get addicted to work because you like crossing things off. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sorry to answer your question in terms of. You know, for me, no, if you're asking me how I do it, I just literally do write them down. But I also have strategic plans. So I always make sure that I've got long term. So I've got my day to day. I must do this ones. But I've got strategic plans I stick to. So I literally I'll do it for a year. I'll have it. I'll have it open almost every day. And I'll make sure that everything I'm doing is in that strategic plan. And the strategic plans are one page each, one for construction property, one for perms done and then it's always keep going back to it keep going back to it keep going back to it where am I up to what do I used to do on that um I love it what's been your what's been the worst moment of your recruitment career when when do you look back and think that was a shocking time gosh because you're so um, positive you ooze, you just ooze positivity but surely you've been through some adversity in that period yeah I have I would say times that were really tough 
was to do with honestly coming back um, from my kids. And I think that there is a natural guilt that, and I'm not saying just women, by the way, because I don't, obviously, I don't know how it feels to be a father when you have to come back from paternity leave. But so I can't, I could empathize, but I can't know how that feels. But I know how it feels coming back as a mum. And I think there's a lot of, I'm so pleased now that generationally, you know, everyone sort of has these ideas about Gen Z. And I actually think, well, I think Gen Z are great because Gen Z has made us talk about things that were always there, but we just didn't talk about them as much. Mm -hmm. And I think actually for me, it was, I I absolutely remember you asking me the most challenging day. I can actually tell you the most challenging day. I had literally just come back from my third son and, um, you know, small, you know, he was, he was about nine months old at the time, so teething and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and I remember he woke up early. And so I took him downstairs, he wouldn't wake anybody up. And I switched the news on, it was about five, six o'clock in the morning, and it announced that Brexit had happened. Oh. And I think knowing that we'd voted out on Brexit, that, uh, I just... You, June, July, 2014, yeah. was it? It was, two, it was 2016, because my 16. son was about nine months wow. old. Yeah. And I, I remember... remember yeah, and I remember just thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going to. And I'd just come back from maternity leave, like literally like a week before. Mm. And I'd taken on a much bigger job. I had a very supportive boss who had said, look, actually, I think you could take on more when you come back and had offered me a promotion. So I was coming back into a bigger job. And I, I was just sitting there with him thinking, OK, this is going to be a busy day at work. Um, this is going to be a busy month at work. And so it was that, OK, not having a lot of sleep. And, um, you know, and, and a small baby and two older sons and all that sort of stuff. And it was intense is the word I prefer. I mean, I'm very yoga about this. You know, I, I don't use the word pressure. I use intensity. But but I, I, I would very much say that was the most intense time of how I had to really manage myself and all the different balls that I was juggling emotionally. I remember. I remember that exact day myself because I left, I was in London. I, I think I was on a call with a client in the morning and then I had a funeral, my, my auntie, my auntie's funeral in the afternoon in North Manchester. So I, I got a train to a, to a, but, but the reason I'm telling you is I, I went from London where most people I knew had voted remain and was very disappointed yeah. about the outcome. And, and I was sat in like Houston station and there were people just like the news and everyone had the red down. And then I get off this yeah. train, I arrive at a funeral, which again, a very sad place go to the wake and I've got a group of 65-year-old Mancunians who have all voted out celebrating, just literally raving about the fact we're out of the EU. And and it was weird. It was just like this app. I just transformed to a different world. And I didn't even know what my own opinion was on that day because I was like, it's crazy to see that polar opposite of life and how people see yeah. things through different lenses. But I do, that time was crazy. Um, In terms of being a mother and being a female in our industry, I think... You know, one of the major reasons I wanted to bring you on today was because when we, I remember when we first spoke, you were having some challenges with your son's school and yet you're, you know, you're still working. You've got so much. How the hell, how the hell do you manage like the pressure of children and being, I'll say intensity, sorry, and trying to be a great mom, you know, and trying to be a great wife and a mother, but also still feel like you're adding enough value. Because I know a lot of, a lot of females feel like after they've, they've had a child, yeah, the, the, you know their their employer might perceive that they're never gonna they're gonna add the same level of value. They're not gonna be able to commit the same they could before yeah. the time. How yeah. have you managed that? So, and by the way, can I just say that everything you've just said 
I, do, I don't know, you know, I'm so pleased that you've just said that and just articulated that because you're absolutely right. A lot of women do feel that way. Mm. And I think it's really important that we normalize that. Mm. You know, so for any of your yeah. you know, listeners, and I'm not just saying gender here, for any men that want to understand what their female employees are going to go through. And I think for any women who have either gone through it or going through it or think they might, everything you've just said is absolutely true. You, you, It's not necessarily the pressure that anyone's putting on you. It's the pressure you put on yourself. Yeah. And I and, and it's and it's real, Sean. It's it is absolutely real what you've just said. And I, I've literally had a conversation with someone this week about it. So okay. I think, and it's all the pressure we put on ourselves as women, actually. And maybe men feel the same way they come back from paternity leave. But but I know that that absolutely you, it's it is really hard. And I think that you have all I would say is you've got to be authentic to yourself. I knew in myself that I wasn't going to be a stay at home mum. That was just not the journey. I was lucky in that my mum worked. So my mum is a physiotherapist. And I think, and I saw that you could have a career and have children. And so for me, when it came to having my son, I realized actually, yeah, I did want to go back to work. And that's something that I wanted to do for myself and intellectually and all those things. And that's fine. But I think that less so now, but definitely at the time, because my eldest is 13 now. There was a little bit still of a taboo about choosing to go back to work and almost mm. you weren't as committed as a mum somehow mm. if you yeah. went back to work like you didn't like somehow like choosing one. that's it like like you're going yeah. well I'm I don't really care as I don't I'm not as committed a mum if I go back to work and it and it and it wasn't that it was that I love my son love all three of them but it sounds awful but I needed that intellectual stimulus I also sure needed the social side in the sense yeah. of not always talking about, you know, baby purees and, and nappies. I wanted to be able to talk about, you know, high level intellectual conversations. I wanted to be able to be independent, um, you know, financially independent. And, and, and there was loads of aspects to it, but more than anything else, I actually really enjoyed it. So I think I felt guilty to start off with about coming back. But the way I got around it and the way I'm still getting around it, because my littlest son is still only five, is that the way I do it is I do put a lot of energy and dare I say this money into childcare and that's the biggest thing I say to everybody the reason I don't feel guilty is because I have an amazing nanny that supports us and we've had the same one for four years and we always have them for really long amounts of time and we treat her very very well and I also think you've got to not be jealous I think if you're a very quite possessive jealous mum or parent it's not going to work for you but I'm not so I'm very much like I love the fact she loves my kids I love the fact they love her I don't feel intimidated by that I actually love the fact she's part of our family but I do I do I do spend you know a lot of energy and money on that because because I want to be able to focus completely you know and be in work and be in the moment and be very present and then when I'm at home I want to be very present with my children so um so yeah but but I also think be yourself if you want to stay at home and be a stay-at-home mom that's okay you don't have to come and do this you know any job if you do need more don't feel embarrassed don't feel like you have to justify or say you're not a good mum for doing that it's okay you know it's okay to want to come back to work um, and that doesn't mean that you're, I mean, me and my brother have turned out, well, we've turned out all right so far, you know? So the fact my mum works clearly has an a huge yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so I, I, I came from a different experience where my mum wouldn't let us let us be with anyone. So like, right, I don't right. think I stayed with like my grandparents or anything. Like literally it was, we right. were glued to my mum. So I saw a very different experience. And I think 
like my boss in in recruitment, Claire, who hopefully she'll be listening. Um, remind you right reminds me just of you the way she managed it in London. And I remember thinking, I'll be brutally honest. I remember thinking, oh, how's she going to do that? Like, it, does that mean what she's not going to spend all day with the kids? And you know, she she managed it, but she actually managed to. I think she had a nanny for a couple of days, but she went to work and she was brilliant. And but she yeah. said just like you. The, the feeling of being in work and having those conversations yeah. meant that she enjoyed every moment with her kids and didn't get yes. too bogged down with. And it was, you know, I, I, I think being in London and being around a, a different type of people, I've seen a different experience to that. Um, and I think everyone's different, right? We're all different. Yes. Why different. We eat different. We listen to yeah. different music. Why do we all have to do the same route when it comes to family, friends, jobs, yeah. work, relationships? We don't, it's just not, it's not how the li how life works. Um, one one question I've got for you, because I think you're the, I, you know, you're so you're, you're a ball of energy. You've been great at the job. You've promoted yourself. You've you've managed. Did you ever think of starting your own business? Because I can imagine you would build an absolute powerhouse recruitment business. Have you, is, did it ever cross your mind at any point to leave Hayes and grow your own firm? Um, yes, it did. But I think I've always really loved the people I work with. And that's genuine. Like, I think that there's there's people, for example, very old friends I feel like I've got now. Yeah. You know, one of the, uh, she works for Hayes, but she works in our European division. She did a reading at my wedding, you know, and I got married yeah. 16 years ago. You know, I think, and I'm still in contact with one of my closest friends now. So I think that you, you, I've got these relationships. And I think that, that that's the key, I think. That keeps me really grounded. People that have known me through my whole career that have supported me. And I think that means a lot to me. You know, I, I absolutely would say that. You know, I'm very much, you know, I, I believe in that. I invest a lot in my relationships at work. And, and I really appreciate when people do, do that for me. And I think for me, I don't feel like I'm done on my journey. What I love is, is as you said, so, so, you know, I'm 22 years into my career with Hayes and yet there's so much further I can go. And that's what I love about, you know, you know, there's, there's you know, there's lots of things you can say positives and negatives about both. I'm not judging anyone who wants to make different yeah, decisions. Yeah. Like you said, you have to go with what's right for you. But I love the fact there's still so much further I could go, still much more I could do. And I think I'm still learning. I think if ever, you know, I think if I think for me, if, if ever I didn't, that would be more challenging for me. But I've never been in a place where I wasn't. So I think I've sorted it out. You know, I've made sure I've gone out there and tried to learn myself and 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 there's lots of things I do to make sure I do. So I think it's the relationships, definitely, the innovation, the creativity, the fact I've been given lots and lots and you know, new things and projects to do that's kept me interested. Yeah. I'm definitely not someone that's I wouldn't like being bored. No. That would not that would interest me. So I think, um, and it's the opportunity said to do new things. I've done quite a lot of new things with Hayes. So that's probably why I haven't, because I guess if I set up on my own, I'd be doing the same thing all the time, whereas I actually quite like the fact I don't. No, no, um, I, think, I think that's, and the reason I asked you that question is because I think, again, it's a bit like the the, the, the the situation with children or whatever. In our industry, we, and again, I, I could be guilty of this by having a show called the Recruitment Agency Growth Show, and I interview yeah. founders all the time. You know, some people believe the only route is to start your own business, when actually, you don't, we don't need every recruiter in the world to become a founder no. of a brand. We need people. And there's a, an amazing career path available for people in who yes. want to work within a business and grow with yeah. it. And it's great to hear you, you know, so passionate about that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, but it's, it's, um, I respect and totally support anybody who wants to go down that road. And, yeah. and, and I think you just find the right place for you, don't you? That's the beauty of it all. That's what it's about. So, 
one thing again we talked about previously was your your love of yoga your yeah. your love of life i think was one of the things i got and you you mentioned it you don't you don't see there's a work gale and a home gale yeah. and i'm i'm exactly the same right i'm yeah. literally you know i feel like too many people try and have this line where they're like this is my professional sean and my home yeah. sean and how the hell i might forget which one i'm trying to be on that day um, yeah. i'd rather be me so you know, talk us through that. Like, how how do you blend them, and and where did the love of yoga and and taking that further come from? So, um, so yoga. I'll answer that one first because I love yoga. Absolutely love it. And actually, you know, ironically, when I think I'm done with recruitment, yeah. I'll be. You'll find me somewhere, maybe in Bali, teaching yoga yeah. somewhere. So, you know, yeah. I'll pass my cross. So that's probably more, more likely to happen. But uh, but yoga. So I've always been somebody that's always used uh, fitness. You know, we talk about mental well being and physical well being. Again, I don't see it as two separate things. I see no. it as the same thing. And I think that, so I came to yoga from injury, actually. So I've always been someone who's been very physically fit. I've ran, swam, done things all my life. That's always been something through university, through school. I always used exercise as kind of my release, I guess, to keep focused academically. And, And I actually sort of very badly sprained my ankle. And I'd done it once before. And I was on crutches for eight weeks. And I was, it was actually, a, I went to private physio and I was getting a physio and she actually said to me, um, you're, in, you're out of balance. And she said, you're doing all the cardio stuff, but you will now keep getting injured because you're not in balance. You have some muscles that are much stronger than others. And whenever you're in imbalance, then in your body, then you will start getting injured. Because you put pressure on places that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're just exercising the same muscles over and over again to the point where they just wear and tear. Just the sheer load, the sheer load means your body's out. So certain muscles will be very developed, others very, very weak. So so she said to me, um, I'd like you to try yoga. And I can also say to you before then, I was in my 20s, right? Before then, I'd have been like, I used to walk past the yoga classes thinking, they are like having this easy. That looks so easy what they're doing. Like, what's that all about? I was on my way to the spin class. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What are they all about? And it was so funny because we haven't spoken a lot about ego yet, but I know that, you know, in recruitment, you know, it's perceived. I don't think actually it's necessarily always true that, that you know, people, quite a lot of, you know, is there an ego thing, you know, et cetera. Yeah. And you have to leave your ego at the door with yoga. Let me tell you, right? Let me tell you. So I walk in thinking, yeah, I'm pretty fit. You know, yeah. ego, I'm pretty fit. I'll be fine. I go in and there's all these kind of, you know, 80 and 70 year old women. I'm the youngest in the class by about 40 yeah. years. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, my yoga mat. And they absolutely, I mean, they just did it all. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God, this is so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so your ego, my ego in this case, thinking, oh, you know, I'm in my 20s, I'm pretty fit, I'm about to do this. I think that's when your moment, your moment you go, oh, my goodness, it's humbling. Yeah. And the journey I've been on with yoga has been to understand that, that in yourself, you have to be in balance. And it's not just about your body being in balance, your body and your mind, your work and your private life, all those things have to be in balance. And whenever they're not, when they go out of kilter and you're overemphasizing one other than the other, you don't feel right in yourself. And it comes out in other ways. So you might, if you're somebody that naturally gets a lot of, I don't know, sore throats or, or you know, whatever it might be, your tummy gets, and you're like, what's, what's going on? And then you realize, actually, it's not this, it's, it's actually, I'm just no. out of balance here. And I think that's what yoga, that's why yoga is so important to me, because 
it allows me the mindfulness and that being present time to really think about, okay, and being myself, because I think we've talked a lot about, you know, work girl or my family girl, but what about me? What about actually the one that's in the middle of it all going, what do I actually want? And I think yoga allows me to just have that mindfulness to just clear my head and and have time on my own without my boys who I love, but and my work that I love, there's also quite a divide as well. So it's it's just that mindfulness moment. What would you say? What are the symptoms then of this imbalance? I think you're bang on, by the way. I love it. And I feel I felt I felt that so much in so many different ways. But what some people are sat listening to this going, I don't really know what I'm looking at. Like, yeah, you know, what would you say is an obvious symptom that you might not be imbalanced both in, 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 in any way? I would say it manifests itself very differently with different people. I think it's 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 whatever you it could be that you feel quite frazzled, that you have maybe difficulty in concentrating, difficulty in sleeping, yeah. um, difficulty in maintaining attention. You often see people with their phones and constantly checking their phones. And that in a way in itself is an imbalance. So it could be to do with your almost that focus side of things, yeah. or it could manifest itself more in a physical. So it could be that you suddenly realize that um, you're getting more headaches, more sore throats, um, your tummy isn't quite right, you can't figure it out. Um, you know, it, there is there's, there's something that you'll suddenly go, why is this, you know, why am I suddenly getting a load of this? And, and I think it's just take a moment and go, what is this actually about? Yeah. You know, yeah. What, what is this actually about? And um, I don't think you don't get a trophy for winning life you know it's not like what I'm also what does that even mean you know it's kind of it's 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 about just winning at your life and and success doesn't have to be dictated to you by you know the car you drive or the watch you wear ego. or even wearing a watch so ego so, though isn't it? it back to the ego isn't it so to me I think it's quite liberating if you have, if you um if you I don't know if you're interested in the podcast I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> other, other no, ones no. have you ever heard of uh, John McAvoy yeah, yeah. So, I, listened to, I listened to his whole story on the the uh, Live Well podcast with Rangan Chang. So, so, yeah, so he's the yeah. triathlete. He used to be yeah. a prisoner. Armed yeah. robbery, yeah. I mean, it's robbery. Amazing, what, what a story. I know. I love him. So I follow him. I follow him on Instagram. And I think he's amazing. And, and I think he is very much about that, isn't it? It's about what you build, not what you own. And I yeah. think that the, the, that to me is about the, the balance. And it doesn't have to be that... Because I think if it's always about something that you want to own or something like that, it, all it ever is is you, you get there and then you realise actually that the joy was in the journey, not in the actual thing that you got because it's just yeah. a thing. Yeah. And it doesn't really change. You think this thing is going to make you all powerful and actually it really doesn't. No, I, I feel like everywhere I look at the moment, it's just re- people reminding you that actually today is all you have. Tomorrow is not yeah. happening. Yesterday's gone. And, you, you know, and we have this natural thing where next year is going to be better. Next year will be better. I'll be in better shape. Yeah. I'll be my business will be better. I'll be making more money. I'll be happier. You yeah. know, if I just do this, I'll get to that. I'll be happy. And it, and it just isn't how life no. works at all. And and but it is still really difficult, especially when we work within a sector where all it is is yeah. promoting growth. You know, get promoted, yes. do another deal, hit that target. So you're like, well, all day I'm talking about winning, 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 growing, growing, yes. growing. And then you know, in family life, it's get married, have children, grow your family. Yeah. Everything's about growth and development. No one, you're not brought up to enjoy the day. Like no one tells you as yes. a child in school. Yes, to totally. Really, it's always about where you go in the future. Don't mess yeah. up your future. That's all it ever is. So you, 
it's like you get to an age where suddenly you figure out, shit, is this all it's about? <laughs> um, and people catch that point at different times. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think people feel that about their careers. You know, it was, I was having a conversation with, uh, with a family member. actually and you know and 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 I think that you it's a lot of pressure that you put on yourself and to me it's going back to before which is focus on the process rather than almost the outcome and the outcome will take care of itself yeah. because if it's always if you sort of always pause your enjoyment because I can't enjoy it until I get to this number or I can't enjoy it until I can buy this thing you know, hitting that number or buying that thing will feel like a real anticlimax if you've not enjoyed, if you've sacrificed too much almost in the journey. Whereas if you can enjoy the journey, then then actually, I'm not saying enjoy in the sense of it's not going to be, it's always going to be like, you know, fluffy pink cushions. I think, you know, that it work hard, you know, work hard, make yourself work hard, but don't suspend your enjoyment of it. And do you know, work so hard to the point where you then get there and all you feel is that crushing anticlimax. So yeah, yeah. Well, what next, you know? A couple of weeks ago, Mark Zanowski, who sold staff group, said, you know, it's probably the, the 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 darkest year of his life after exiting. He was like, Yeah. And he got back in because he was like, I, I'm it's actually all about the journey and he loves it now. And I thought that was really something people need to hear, especially in the in the founder community where a lot of people are, are have got an exit plan. And they think yeah. then they're going to be the happiest they'll ever be. And, and often they're not. Um, I've seen that, actually. I've seen yeah. it in my own circle of, of friends that, that yeah, it it's actually, crazy. if anything, it's it's actually, it can it can be very dark, actually, afterwards. Actually. Totally. Yeah. One, one other thing I wanted to touch on, and again, I don't know what your opinion is or whatever, but I'm fascinated by the communication strategies we have in work, right? We have yeah. meetings all the time. We document minutes. We circulate agendas. We... We discuss issues, we have outcomes, we have projects. And yet at home, most people I talk to have absolutely no strategy around communicating to their their spouse, their family, their kids. Like it's just like it just it's just expected to happen, you know? Come home, knackered, oh, I'll be fine, whatever. And we wonder why 50% of marriages break down and all the things that are going on. So do you have anything like this? Do you ever think about the the, the family life and everything else and, and put as much rigor and structure and strategy as you would at work? Yeah, actually, we we do. These <laughs> always sound really sad. Yeah, it's someone does. Um, just like, um, so so I think that we're in this generation where you know both partners. A lot of my friends, not all of them, um, but a lot of my friends, I'd say about half, will have a partner has an e equal job to them. I think yeah. I feel like very much I'm in that generation, the, the generation above me, the, the wife stayed at home. Sorry to be, but that no, generally is what happened. I feel like I'm in that generation where about 50% of my university friends are at home and 50% carried on working. So my husband and I both have pretty serious careers. So I, he, I would never expect him to turn around to me and go, well, I expect you to, I don't know, not work. Or I don't know how, how he would even, I don't think he'd, like, I don't know he'd want to say that to me, but I would never say to him, well, you can't. So we have to work it through. No. So right from the, the get-go, we've always respected each other's careers and always therefore had to go, how do we do this as a team? So I think you absolutely have to, it's almost like it's the most important team that you have because it's the team that sits behind the ability for us both to do our, our jobs the way we want to. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It's quite, you know, there's quite a lot of structure that goes behind that of, 
you know, for example, literally, it sounds sad, but what days, are, you know, is he going to be in, because he works in Canary Wharf, and what days am I going to be here, and how do we make sure that we, you know, that someone's here for yeah. the kids, and it's kind of like, so So I think, absolutely, and, and, and absolutely in the, in the pandemic, where we didn't, you know, have our lovely nanny, because she wasn't allowed to come, and we were had the kids at home, because we were homeschooling, you know, it literally was, I know I'm a real morning person, so I was like, look, I want to do this, this, and this in the morning, but then I had to be very available for the children at other times if that makes sense so so yeah we really do we really have to sit there we've got a shared calendar a shared <laughs> really sad like so um so we've got a shared calendar so so you know because obviously you need to have your social life you need to see better mates yeah, and yeah, yeah. you want to do so yeah we put things yeah it's quite boring that's great it's not boring it's not have, I, I'm, I'm totally on board i'm totally on board with it <laughs> it's the sad practicality isn't it of, of, of partnership again why is it again I, I i can see why you're saying it and we'd all say it but why is yeah. it sad because you put that no one would run a business without shared yes, yeah. and having a meeting once a week and talking about how you feel and mm. appraisals and all that shit Whereas, yeah but this even more important relationship oh no no, yeah. no we don't we don't need that i just need to exist and hope it goes well like it's nonsense it's no we actually nonsense. have i mean this is really sad but we do yeah. actually have designated jobs that we do yeah. um no genuine so i i'm as you know surprised to you the communications expert so i'll be doing all the birthday cards all the birthday yeah. you know, frankly no one would get anything if it wasn't i wasn't doing it but yeah. i probably put the bins out you know once a month <laughs> you know what i mean so i think yeah. it's kind of there's certain I, you know I, I, i'm not a gardener I'll tell no. you that straight away. Love nice garden, don't enjoy doing oh, it. I love no. cooking. So I think it's it's playing to do what you do at work, isn't it? Playing to yeah. your strengths, figure out what you're both good at. But um, oh god, if you if you both want to work and both have a career, then you've got to talk to each other, otherwise it doesn't yeah. work. Even if you don't, even if one's at home, I think it's the same because if anything, yes. you'd even be more disconnected if your partner's at home all day with, oh, none, yeah. of, with none of this stimulation, and then you come home and don't, and don't have any, don't talk to them or don't share things. And I don't know, I, yeah. I I'm just really passionate about this i think it's so yeah. important for people to there's no point in being the most successful guy in business if you or a woman if you if you if your life's falling apart behind the scenes like, there's literally Excellent. no point one thing i've i feel from you is balance i genuinely believe i mean that i feel like you know <laughs> mental health physical health work relationships and it's all it's all ticking forward so you know yeah. it's inspirational well done i love it i love it um i'd love to what I'd love for people to do, if you're okay with that, is if anyone's listening today and, and has, has enjoyed it, because I'm sure they will, just re if they could reach out to you and ask you any Absolutely. questions. No. And and would LinkedIn would LinkedIn be the best place, Gail? Absolutely. Um, you can see because then you can see that I'm telling the truth about all my weird and wonderful <laughs> LinkedIn, LinkedIn posts. Go and have a look yeah. at my, you know, recyclable straws and my yoga mat, because it's all on there. <laughs> so yeah. go and have a look. Well, that's and it. I'm actually on my on my picture wearing the same dress as I'm wearing today. That was uh random but i happen to be so yes, you know what? i'm wearing the same shirt oh, yes. and that wasn't that was random as well but i don't I, I don't actually own many clothes right people you know i'm one of them people when i left london i threw about three and a half thousand pounds of clothes away suits and yeah. bags and shit that i never needed and i never built it back up right so in the pandemic i used to wear like five t-shirts and a shirt and now i'm the same so i've got i've literally got four shirts i think I've got a load of these t-shirts. I've got six of these t-shirts that are similar, similar shape and different, slightly mm. different colors. I've got two jeans, no chinos. I mean, I don't, I don't care about stuff like that. It's not me. So yeah. there's a good chance if you're on a meeting with me or, you know, you're going to see me wear this shirt. 
<laughs> if you well, go back through my through my podcast episode, there you go. Would, would, John McAvoy would be very proud of you. That's yeah. very much the, that's the essence of him, isn't it? It's not about things. No, it's it's not. about you know love and people and. Well, and listen, and, have you ever heard of the minimalists? Have you ever heard of those guys? No, no it's amazing. Go, go, on go on Netflix. With my pen and paper. <laughs> go on Netflix. Watch the documentary, The Minimalist. Okay. Or minimal minimalism, and then you'll they do they have a podcast, they have books. I've read, I've, I've consumed most of it, and it, their tagline is on is one thing I, I probably will get it tattooed at some way. It's, it's love people and use things, not the other way around, right? And yes. it's just the perfect way to put it. If you love things and use people, you won't be you won't be around people for very long. Um, and and yeah, that's kind of how I like to live my life. Um, but Gail. I wish I could talk to you all day, but we, uh, you know, I'm actually heading to London soon myself. I'm on a train at half, at half two, so I need to, uh, I need to pack up. But um, we'll definitely have you on again in the future. I'd 100% have a follow up and see how things um, have evolved. And you know, as as the world, I, I think we're in a weird boom market, as you said. I do think it's going to balance yeah. out. There's going to be a lot yeah. of change in the next 12 months. Um, but again, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, no worries. And. Uh, I'll be back again next Wednesday with another episode. Um, in the meantime, you stay safe and I will see you soon. Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode was brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. Tune in again next week. That's live on LinkedIn at 12 p.m. on Thursday, or you can catch the show on the following Monday from 6 a.m. on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'll see you soon.